That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Harry turned and caught sight of Cho. She was grinning. The snitch had vanished again. Harry turned his firebolt upwards and was soon 20 feet above the game. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Cho following him. She decided to mark him rather than search for the snitch herself. Right then, if she wanted to tail him, she'd have to take the consequences. He dived again, and Cho, thinking he'd seen the snitch, tried to follow. Harry pulled out of the dive very sharply. She hurtled downwards. He rose fast as a bullet once more, and then saw it. For the third time, the snitch was glittering way above the pitch at the Ravenclaw end. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry. We've done it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. This chapter is a lot of buildup toward and actual time spent in the Quidditch match between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, which is very high stakes for the Gryffindors because they have to win it to stay in the running to win the Quidditch Cup at the end of the year. Spoiler alert, luckily they win, and the whole Gryffindor house is in the throes of celebrating when something very traumatizing happens to Ron, as it kind of always does. Sorry, bud. Welcome to the Restricted Section. It's me, your host, Christina. And there's Brooke. We we removed the how are you question because it's rude and now I never know what to do. There you are, Brooke. I'll tell you how I am in a, a short anecdote. I was uh, eating cheese fries last night and I asked my husband if he was depressed enough to split them with me. And he was like, what does depression have to do with it? And I was like, dude, these are standard issue crinkle cut fries with beer cheese just slathered on top. Like no one's ordering these who's okay. Wow. Okay, cool. So it's good to see you too. I'm glad that you, you appear to be holding it together. I finished them for breakfast. So that was a whole experience. When you have leftovers that are really terrible for you, you have to get them out of the way as soon as possible. You don't want them to, to burden you throughout the day, you know? Haley, there you are. Here I am. Do you have an adorable anecdote? Would you like to share how you are via uh, anecdote? My downstairs neighbor's girlfriend pepper sprayed him in the alley behind our apartment. So <laughs> why? I don't know. I need, I need way more. Way so more I was so I was actually listening to the episode that came out today uh, because I'm a good friend. Um, and so I was listening to that in my kitchen while doing dishes. And there's like one dog on my block that never shuts up. So I just hear a ruckus. I assume it's the dog, like, saw a squirrel. And at one point, like, I kind of stick my head just out in my living room and, like, my back door was open because it was nice out. And just behind the trash cans, I see some dude and my neighbor just, like, you know, like, real fights don't look good like like someone was definitely pulling their pants up because they'd kind of come down a little bit in the tussle and then i text uh my best friend who lives next door and is always like sitting out back smoking i was like what the fuck is everyone yelling about and she informed me that uh our our neighbor's our neighbor's girlfriend pepper sprayed him wow 
So that's all I know. That's how you're doing. <laughs> that's how I'm doing. And y'all will probably remember the dulcet tones of our delightful guest today, Adel Refai. Ooh, dulcet tones. <laughs> that's literally a Harry Potter quote, and I use it as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been since the last time we saw you? Doing well. I was just letting you all know, I, I moved into a house in October, so getting settled and, and trying to figure out what goes where. And mm-hmm, now, so and, fun. Yeah. And I'm now insanely inspired to try and create, I mean, there's already like churro cereal, there's like um, Oreo cereal. I will not rest until we have cheese fries cereal. <laughs> cheese fries in the morning, cheese fries in the evening, cheese fries at supper time. When cheese fries is a cereal- you can eat cheese fries in the morning. I think that cheese fries cereal ratchets up the depression <laughs> ver- association with cheese fries to a whole new level. Brooke, do you remember when Stoplight Gelato had Cheeto flavored gelato? Yes, and I ate it. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was all right. They, yeah. They're kind of wizards, though. Yeah. There's a place in Chicago called uh, Little Goat Diner. And they had a Cheez-It ice cream that I bought because I love, I just love like funky, weird flavors. Mm -hmm, It's it's mm -hmm. just like my favorite thing to try out. And it was maybe the best ice cream I've ever had in my life. It just, it tasted like Cheez-Its, but like so creamy and delicious. Like, I don't know. It blew my Mm -hmm. mind. So cheese fries ice cream could also be done. I'm convinced. I'm more okay with cheese fries ice cream than cereal for whatever reason. (laughs) I think it's like the milk factor. It's like if you incorporate Mm -hmm. the milk for me, it's like less... Just pouring milk into, like, dry cheese. Christina, hold on. What is cheese but yellow milk? (laughs) He's got a point. I think it's that I just don't really want to be involved, like, Mm -hmm. in the process. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to know that cheese was milk. Okay. Well... It sounds like you're out in, in my investment pitch, which you said I could do on this episode, so that's fine. I guess it's a three-way split now. Yes, three-way ownership. You're going to... Oh, Christine, you're going to fucking wish you had invested. We're going to be living it up. We're going to be on all the talk shows. You're going to be so fucking bitter. Um, My segue for that is that that's a deeply American-sounding breakfast concept. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And in this chapter, they eat some British breakfasts. Was that a good segue? No. 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 Well, it definitely was a segue, which is the minimum requirement. We don't start at breakfast, though. We start with uh, just like everybody drawing lines and taking sides, you know? Okay, okay. So I didn't say this already, but this is chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw, because Adel loves the Quidditch chapter, so oh, we're yes. so happy to have you Doesn't back on the Doesn't everybody? Thank you. Happy to be back. And this this chapter starts with maybe the most dramatic sentence in all the Harry Potter books. It, it's, my, it's my first note. Do you want to read it? Yes. So uh, the first sentence of this chapter starts with, it looked like the end of Ron and Hermione's friendship. I mean, that's, wow. Adel, I would give truly any amount of money. I I would give up my investment in uh, the cheese fries cereal uh, (laughs) enterprise to have you do the audio, like an an edition of Harry Potter audiobooks. Ooh, well, now I'll have to do that. I'll, I'll make a bespoke personal recording just for you. Yes, and I will keep it all to myself. <laughs> the world will never see it. All right, combine the two concepts. Do it while <gasps> eating cheese fries. Oh, some nasty <laughs> ASMR. I was going to say, you definitely don't record it. 
there's there's a specific type of pervert that would love that. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure. I've, I've definitely I've definitely teased before that I'm going to release something called ASMR. You afraid of the dark? Which is me reading a, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark books uh, while doing ASMR. Oh my god! Please do. <laughs> there's a market for that. Mm-hmm. It's me. I'm the market. <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway, my new, that's my new T-shirt. It's me. I'm the market. <laughs> Yeah, so it does, in fact, look like the end of Ron and Hermione's friendship. I mean, Ron is understandably, like, incredibly livid at her. Yeah, I would. I, I hate to take sides. I am absolutely on Ron's side. And it's yeah, wild this to time, me. Sure. It, it, this time, for sure. It's wild to me that, for the most part, it feels like Hermione is, like, the most level-headed, the most... Like, Hermione's kind of the best out of the three of them. And she also, for the most part, displays the most empathy... But here, the fight is that her cat probably ate Ron's rat. Obviously, we know later he, he, she didn't. But That's if, that, the point. if that was the case, you would think that Hermione would like apologize or just be like, I don't think she did. But if she did, I'm so sorry. But Hermione is like digging her heels in and she is like, fuck you. I, I will. I refuse to believe this. And it just seems like she would have some amount of empathy, but she is absolutely yeah. not a game for it. She she absolutely is what's making this situation terrible because yeah. if Crookshanks had eaten Scabbers and Hermione was so, so sad and like apologetic and really remorseful that she let that happen, then Ron would have been like sad for a couple days, but he yeah. like could not have stayed mad at her. Yeah. But they've been fighting this whole semester and she's also just as a reminder to everyone, like on the cusp of losing her goddamn mind because she's been... <laughs> Working 30-hour days yeah. <laughs> with the old time, Turner. <laughs> There's also, um, on the next page of this ch this chapter, um, so pretty early on, like three, three paragraphs in, there's a part where Hermione says, okay, side with Ron, I knew you would. And then it says, she said shrilly. So I love, um, there's no author to this book, but I love that the magic <laughs> that created this book um, calls her shrill within within three paragraphs. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's, she's definitely in the nagging role for this entire book. <laughs> I think that this proves that Hermione is going to be a terrible mom um, because she is 100% the mom that it's like, hey, so like Timmy was acting up in class today. And she's like, that doesn't sound like my Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> she's Hermione's maybe a Karen. Her, Hermione's yeah. the person oh. who like goes, she goes to like Zonko's joke shop or whatever it's called. And like maybe the the little spy glasses don't work, and she's like, "Can I talk to the manager?" And they're like, "Uh, what's up now? Can't you magically fix this?" And she's like, "Get me your manager." That is not the point. I could enchant this better at home. Okay. <laughs> there's also this, and this is kind of wild. There's also a few a few lines down from her saying something in a shrill voice, which is outstanding. There's also a line where she says, "Get fucked, Harry." She said. Well, <laughs> She, and then the and then the author puts she said while well, probably on her period. Now that now that just seems that seems to be going a bit too far. Classic, you know. But like we we know how girls be when they're probably oh, yeah. on their period. Oh yeah. So she said while well, scarfing ice cream <laughs> and pounding cheese fries cereal. <laughs> oh my god, she would never. <laughs> that does seem like a Fred and George creation. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> They're like they're kind of like the stoner comedic relief, but like without being proper stoners. You, you know just I mean? oh my god, uh, Christina, you just made me realize Fred and George are basically Ben and Jerry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. 
They're like You're hyper successful, but they're young at heart. They're probably twins and they're like real. They will throw down. They will throw down. They're all about creative silliness. And one of them died. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you in that sentence that way? <laughs> wow. I'm just going to go weep for a hundred years. <laughs> I, I fucking love Harry's take on all of this. Because, like, yeah. so much of the time, like, I, I empathize with Harry so much in his friendship with Ron and Hermione because, like, I am also usually in any trio of friends that I'm involved with, I'm usually the quietest one. And, like, w- like watching the hijinks of the other two. So, like, Harry's just sitting there like, all right, personally, I am absolute, like, I'm not mad at Hermione. There's no emotional uh, emotion behind this. But I'm 100% sure that, like, yeah, of course your cat ate the rat he's been trying to do that all year yeah here's the thing is like i love my cats but like if there was a rat and then like the rat was gone and there was blood everywhere i would be like damn i guess one of my cats (laughs) ate your fucking rat dude that's crazy and i love that he tries to like reasonably be like he tries to point out to hermione like like this is the evidence that he's like she's logical and i'm gonna reason with her uh, yeah, and th- and that's it where he work. gets you know the uh, the shrill the shrill clap back, um, and it does not go over well. So he's like, "All right, well, I guess we're fighting." I've I kind of didn't want to do that, but here we are. I mean, in like a weird twist, though, Fred and George are like d- both deeply unfazed and like almost on Hermione's side. It seems like they're they're like making jokes. They're like, "You didn't even like that dude." <laughs> I think they just really hate scabbers. Yeah, they're pretty flippant about it. Um, I will say that this could be the whole sort of machination behind all of this could just be to set up the intense sexual tension between these two. Oh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> if she, if he's mean to you, it's because he likes. You. Yeah, this is because they're yeah they're younger. It's like playground rules. You know, if if a girl shoves you in the mud, it's because she's in love with you. Like they're trying, they're trying to like spice up their sex life later on. Like, like once they get together, and Hermione's like, "Choke me, like, choke me, like you wanted to when you thought my cat had killed your rat." <laughs> oh my god, Haley! Oh, oh, suck me like a dementor. Suck me like a dementor. <laughs> Pretend my dick's my soul. Or happiness, or whatever. What do, what do the mentors suck? Your it's, happiness? It's, it's, it's I mean, soul. it's your, your happiness and it's then your soul, soul out through yeah. your dick. Yeah. <laughs> that is the fate that awaits Sirius Black. Last night, that girl sucked my soul out of my dick like it was my happiness. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to Patronus. <laughs> Repertonus can still get you pregnant. <laughs> thank this you. Been, thank you. This has been established. Pretronus, yes, thank you. <laughs> I do feel that every time I've seen Hermione for the past four or five chapters, it, it is so evident to me, frankly, that she's, like, sleep-deprived. Like, all of these descriptions about her. Like, she... I've said it before. She's definitely misbehaving through this whole book. But I'm I'm genuinely concerned about her. Yeah. She's really evidently not okay. And she, like, seems to... I think we've all been there when we're having, like, such a bad day that you just, like, can't make anything better. And she's just, like... Her life is so out of control right now that she, like, can't even get it in gear to get her, like, friendships together. It's just she's everything spiraling. Also, I don't think, you know, in in this world and in most worlds, I don't think doctors and scientists have really discovered the true effect of, like, time travel on the brain. Because if you look at, like, I call it, like, Doc Brown syndrome. Like, Doc Brown 
in in the Back to the Future verse, I think was like a normal dude who was like probably working at Trader Joe's and like had his shit together. He had a you know BA from you know Valparaiso, but then he time travels and suddenly like his hair's all over the place and he's constantly frantic and he's screaming about Man, like um like Rick Sanchez. Yeah, so I think there's like I think time travel does something to the brain. Imagine a Hermione who goes like who really goes down that path. Oh yeah. She's unstoppable. I mean, yeah. she would just be she would just be um, the version of Doc Ock in Back to the Spider Verse, like big hair and everything. Yeah, I love that. That I, okay. just real quick. That's the best movie of the last twenty five years. You're right. That's very yeah, good. absolutely. Check out our other podcast, The Movie Night Crew, where we reviewed that a what? couple weeks ago. I didn't know that. I, well, I will now. That's the only movie I ever saw in theaters four times. Because I was like, this it's hands down the best superhero movie of all time. There's no contest. And then it's just one of the best movies of the yeah, last just the best. several it's decades. It's just it's good. So fucking good. It's perfect. Yeah. It's just it's perfect. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler it's just alert, that was our consensus in the episode <laughs> where we covered it. It's just a fucking good movie. <laughs> I like the time travel insanity theory because otherwise it doesn't quite make sense because she doesn't need to be sleep deprived. She can time turn herself back to get more sleep or to get more study time. Oh, like yeah. There's no reason why she couldn't just have effectively like unlimited daytime until she like didn't need it any longer. Yeah. There's no practical reason. But this isn't about practicality. I can see Hermione being the kind of person who, like, was given very clear parameters for, like, when you can and can't use the time turner, what you can and can't use it for. She probably had to sign a bunch of fucking waivers. And, like, she's probably, <laughs> she could go and, like, take a five-hour nap. And But, like, I can see her being like, I'm not going to because, one, that's the rules. And, two, I want to challenge myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I like have you ever had that friend that like like I had a friend in college who got hit by a car um like she was okay but she did end up in the hospital uh like she had a couple broken ribs and stuff we called her roadkill for the rest of uh the semester <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we were not good friends I um, love friendship <laughs> so I uh, so roadkill um is in the hospital and they're like we want to send you home with like some Vicodin or something but here's the thing about roadkill was she was really really into philosophy so she was like I'm going to like this is a prime opportunity to practice mind over matter I am going to refuse these pain meds and just see if I can make it on my own. Why not just take the meds, see how far you can get, and they're there if you need them. Nope. Nope. Removing the option entirely. And like, that's the kind of shit that I could see Hermione doing. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to become her one true self. Mm? Uh, Also, real quick, Brooke reminded me by mentioning the time turner. Um, Another person who's who's victim of time travel syndrome is Ted Turner. Uh, Turner, of course, being short for Ted Time Turner. And that guy's bonkers. He's a billionaire, but he's absolutely insane. (laughs) He just keeps turning back time to a time when he was happy, and he keeps searching and searching and going back further and further and further. Is that why the current timeline is so fucked up? Yes, and that's why there's Turner Classic Movies, is because (laughs) Ted Time Turner wants to, you know, he lived, he went back in time and helped create some of those movies, and so he's like trying to subtly promote them. Oh, wow. It's the Time Turner Classic Turner Empire. That's what TNT stands for, is Time Turner Network Time Turner. Adel, there, there's a little red dot on your forehead. You might want to duck. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to distract Ron from his morning, Harry invites him to come see the last Quidditch practice before the big game. 
And then Ron can try out the sexy brand new Firebolt afterwards. Can I very briefly, sorry, I know we've been on the first like two pages for a while. That's um, so okay. But uh, can I just briefly draw attention to what I think might be one of the funniest lines in the entire series, which is when uh, Fred and George are trying to tell Ron, like, you always complained about that fucking rat. He you always <laughs> talked about how he did nothing ever. And Ron's like, he big goyle for us once, remember Harry? And Harry, like, is trying so hard to be supportive. Like, yep, that's that's true. And Fred, <laughs> completely unable to keep from laughing, is just like, yeah, his finest hour. Let the scar on Goyle's finger stand as a lasting tribute to his memory. <laughs> and you know he probably stood on a table when he said that. Oh, no, I absolutely <laughs> believe that he was, like, tr- holding, uh, holding a piece of fruit like a skull oh yeah <laughs> it is wild that in this so this is basically they're in their third year now right is that yep. is that mm-hmm. right so this is basically quidditch in their year it's basically like junior high sports so let's call it i don't know eighth grade or freshman year of high school mm-hmm. there it's insane to me that the firebolt is allowed because it's basically like if i played basketball in high school it's basically if like i got air jordans and then everyone else on my team was wearing flip-flops <laughs> and then, and wow. then, like the whole system was like, yeah, checks out. Like you're rich, so do what you will. Like it seems like there would be some sort of regulations where you can't bring in this game changer. You'd fucking think that, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> especially because students, like for example, Fred and George, you know, they're using school brooms, just like whatever the fuck they can get. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's definitely unfair. Same with the wand thing. We talked about this in the last book when Ron broke his wand for the entire year. And of course, there's no way to replace it. And he's just going to fail everything. Yeah, that's absolutely bonkers. It seems like there should be some sort of like box of wands you can grab from, I guess, if you break yours. (laughs) Box of wands. (laughs) So they go to Quidditch practice. Madam Hooch is like, wow, this is a sexy firebolt. (laughs) Everyone's like, this is a really sexy firebolt. (laughs) Dude, they like low-key like retcon the Nimbus to like not even be that big of a deal. Because like up until this point, we've been like, oh, Harry had the coolest broom and then Malfoy got the cooler broom and they're both the Nimbuses, right? And then Madame Hooch is literally just like, ah, you know, the Nimbus series, like, you find they develop a drag after a few years. (laughs) So it's literally like, don't even worry about your shitty old broom. It would have been bad this year anyway. So, (laughs) like, good thing you got this cool new broom that just, you know, appeared out of nowhere. As yeah. all of your brooms do. <laughs> Harry, one of the richest, independent, emancipated miners in this whole damn place, yeah. keeps getting brooms bought for him. This is like this is like collegiate sports where it's like some new recruit athlete is like suddenly driving a Porsche around campus and we're like, huh, must he just must have found one. Like everything checks <laughs> out. It's like, hold on, there's regulations where there shouldn't be gifts for recruitments. Like, that's mm-hmm. insane. Also, Madam Hooch is the fucking weirdest name. Like to me, I don't know if this is right. To me, in my mental database, hooch is like prison alcohol, right? Yes. Yeah, for, yeah. For sure, that is like my understanding uh, of it. Yeah, but, hooch is somewhere in the same vicinity as moonshine. Yeah. But then there's also hoochie mamas. Oh. Wow, that's a completely what, different connotation. What constitutes a hoochie mama? I think a hoochie mama is analogous to a cougar, except she's like. I, I think it's the midpoint as you transition from being like a regular grade porn star to a MILF. <laughs> In between MILF and like teen series is the Hoochie Mama. I didn't think I'd receive such a thoughtful answer. <laughs> you really get to self-identify as a Hoochie Mama, you know? It's like kind of up to you. Um, I will. I think that the reason she's named Hooch is because Roldemort does this thing with her naming where... 
it's e- it either has like some direct Remus Lupin, some direct fucking meaning where it's like, sure. wow, Latin, incredible. Or <laughs> it's supposed to like sound like something. And I think that the hooch is a combination of like, it's it's like all these different sounds. Like It's like hoot, like an owl, which she is like said to look like a bird of prey. Oh. It's like hoop, like Quidditch hoop. And then this like TCH at the end is like Quidditch, catch, pitch, snitch. It's like all, wow. it's like tying her in with the brand of Quidditch. <laughs> wow. I okay, that's outstanding. But then also, back to the alcohol connotation, she seems for sure a little drunk in this entire she chapter. Out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have discussed like what, like okay, we we've talked about how many Quidditch games they have per year, which I'm not going to remember. It's six. It was six. I did so much <laughs> math. I'll never forget that number. So like. <laughs> Okay, so she is coaching six games a year. She's not coaching the teams. The teams are getting coached by the captains. We already have talked about this. She just sits around with her wife, Professor Sprout, helping with the plants and getting high in the greenhouses. Okay, wait. I just went on the Potterpedia, and it's it's, uh, what I show here, and this is fact, is that Hooch is a portmanteau of horrible bitch. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, so that's another one that's, that I didn't think of. That's keeping in line with the PMSing women in this chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Madam Hooch is really just like ranting about broomsticks. This bitch loves brooms. And let me and say, then, I'll, let me say portmanteau real quick, just uh, before you receive any hate mail. Because okay. I, I said portmanteau. Oh, and, I didn't even clock that. And I, I'm sure someone would be like, ah, 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 it's portmanteau. <laughs> Yeah, our listenership is really sticklers. It's it's hard because I don't remember everything about Harry Potter, and I have the audacity to be running this <laughs> podcast. And people are like, "Well, wait, wait." That's why I keep Haley around because you have the insight, insight, encyclopedic. There you go. Yeah, I don't even remember what they have. Memory, brain. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a life, but you can just put it like that. <laughs> So Oliver Wood is like, oh, we actually need to practice. Can you please stop drooling over this broom? <laughs> and they, they start practice and Ron and Madame Hooch go off to sit together and watch this practice. Do you think they were chit-chatting? Do you think they were small talk? Clearly not if she fell the fuck asleep. <laughs> yeah. Ron just started telling her about like scabbers and, and his personal grieving <laughs> process. <laughs> and she zonked out. And Madame Hooch was like, I'm not tired. I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute. (laughs) I'm not tired. I am a little stoned. (laughs) The way that they set it up is like, she's obsessed with this broom. So when they go to the sidelines to watch and they're sitting next to each other, it would basically be like sitting next to your history teacher while watching porn or something. Like watching that, watching that firebolt in action was basically Mm -hmm. porn for Madame Hooch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm surprised she didn't stay awake just to like watch it work. You know, (laughs) she's so tired. (laughs) She's so tired. Professor Sprout keeping her up at night. <laughs> no, I refuse to believe that she's this tired. She's got to be a little bit drunk. Like, she's, like the, um, she's like the dad who falls asleep in the armchair with golf on, and then you try to change it to cartoons, and he's like, hey, I was watching that. <laughs> dad. Um, so the fireball is, wow, surprise, surprise, it's a really dope broomstick. Harry's just fucking flying on it real good and stuff. So there's so much Quidditch in this book. Um, there's been like a Quidditch chapter in the previous two books, but there's like a lot of Quidditch. Well, in we this have book. to make up for uh, next book. You have to make up for next book, and this is 
spoiler alert, all spoilers all the time. I don't know why I still do the spoiler alerts. They win the cup at the end of this book. So I think you really have to feel like you've earned it by like being there, you know? I, I think I, my guess is that this is probably a publisher's note where they were like, hey, people are fucking loving Quidditch. <laughs> people are going to want to try to play this even though there's no physical way they actually fucking can. You are going to ruin many, many college students' lives. You're going to permanently virginize a whole group of people by making them play a sport in which they run around with brooms between their legs. And I say that as someone who, as we will recall, fucked the snitch on my college's Quidditch team. <laughs> she fucked the snitch. I'm going to write like a, a jingle for you. I don't know how I keep forgetting that. This is this is new. This is new information to me, and this is outstanding. How many points did you get? Well, it would have been one fifty, but he couldn't find yeah. the hole. So. Oh no! <laughs> Not so much of a catch. I I fucked the bludger. Uh, hey, hey! If you're into BDSM, that's perfectly valid. I'm not going to yuck your yum. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. How did we get here? Um, but there's just, there's too much Quidditch in this book. Far, yeah, far I mean, too it's much. definitely, definitely the interesting parts of this chapter are every single second that's not active Quidditch, honestly. Unless you're into just super mild, like, vague flirting, fight flirting between Harry and Cho. Sports terms, it's just like, wow, he really zip-zapped and then zapped around <laughs> the stadium. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of zoom zipped and zapped. Zoom zip He really hit him with an ollie oop uh, <laughs> and a lot an of outstretch handily do. A lot of d- diving. You sound like me talking about the Super Bowl. <laughs> that is true. But the whole team gets super stoked about this broomstick. Okay, we're 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 in this now with the Quidditch team. They're they're stoked as hell. They're so full of hope right now. And after practice, they're all feeling so good. It was like the best practice. The team goes off to the changing rooms, but Ron and Harry stay behind so Ron can try the firebolt. Good for him. Can you imagine being magical? You're a wizard or a witch. You can transmute yourself into like a fucking boar or a bear or a fox. And you're and all you think about night and day is sports. Like what? It It's bonkers to me that the, everyone at the school is so caught up in the sports scene where it's like, you're literally magical. This is the most boring <laughs> shit to be obsessed with this game. I think it just is meant to like, because it's like, it's soccer, right? Which yeah. is not an exciting game to watch. Yeah. You know, fight me soccer fans. No, definitely. Like, that's the podcast dance. <laughs> like you, people from the UK get so whipped up about soccer and like watching a soccer game to me is just yeah. watching people run. Yeah. yeah, it's not very fun. If, if like, a great soccer match is, like, 1-0, like, hard fucking pass. No thanks. I feel like, yeah, this is part soccer, part rugby, I guess, with, like, mm. the, the hitting yes. to some yeah, degree. Yeah, it can get violent. I feel like the obsession of the school is less to do with, like, actual interest in, the, like, the machinations of the sport and more to do with the fact that Quidditch is just, like where they're allowed to take their inter-house rivalries, uh, like, outside, like in yeah, in terms of like fighting, fair. I was gonna say like the opposite, the opposite, but like I think it's the same thing where it's like this is the only thing that really like brings them together as like a house, you know? Like yeah. they're it's like they're physically together, but what makes them feel like they're on the same team? Literally, 
rooting for their team. I th- I think Haley, I think you nailed it. Where I think it's almost like in grade school, like dodgeball, where it's like you can't fight in school, but but the school is like, hey, if you hate someone, we're gonna allow you all to play dodgeball, where the strongest kids can absolutely like beat the shit out of you or anyone <laughs> or any of your yeah. nerd friends. Yeah, here's your chance, children. <laughs> yeah, and this and the school is like, this is okay, and like that's fine. Well, and also apparently, if you win, you can win yourself an unsupervised party. Oh yeah, for, yeah. Like hours, yeah. Like till one a.m. unsupervised party in the That's common room. Very cool for those freshmen. Like I was doing shit for ice cream parties back when I was young. <laughs> I would be like, "Oh, you want me to do what? Oh, you want me to do all the times tables for a scoop of vanilla ice cream? I will fuck you up with 12s. <laughs> personal pan pizza i read a hundred books this Uh, summer yep (laughs) yeah quidditch is like book it (laughs) quidditch is no more no less than a book it program Mm so hooch madam hooch finally wakes up and is like i've never been asleep this whole time i missed all the golf on tv And she's like, well, obviously you have to go back to the castle, but she's like, I ain't gonna fucking walk you because my wife's greenhouse is right here. I'm not going. <laughs> she should certainly be escorting him, but she doesn't. And so on their way, shenanigans, they think they see something in the shadows and like they illuminate it, but it's just Crickshanks. And Ron is like, fuck you, cat. But <laughs> Harry's like, thank God I thought you were the Grim. You're just my friend's murderer cat. Yeah, that's a shady ass cat that's like spying on them. Like what's going on? Crookshanks isn't anything, right? It's just a normal cat? Crookshanks is a um, Neasel. It's like a magical cat. Yeah, he's like part He's like part Neasel, but like, because Neasels are like really, I, it's in the little Fantastic Beasts book, but I remember that Neasels ah. are like, you can kind of tell that they're not quite cats. So I think uh, Crookshanks is like half or something. Yeah, but they're like just, a little extra smart. Yeah, they're, they're basically just like a little extra smart. Neasel sounds like that sounds like a Andrew Lloyd Webber creation. It does. It does sound like Neasical that. Neasel cats a K are in it. magical cats. No, no, we do not talk about cats here. I'm Crookshanks, the Neasel cat. Are you mean like a minx? Are you lean like a lynx? God, please, no. Oh man, it works too well. <laughs> Brooke made us go see Cats 2019 in theaters oh, right no. before COVID. Woof. Honestly. The worst part was we went there, obviously, to laugh at it. And, like, right before it started, we were, like, making jokes and doing shots of fireball. And this girl bends over from behind us to go, could you guys please be quiet? Some of us are here to watch the movie. And I was like, oh, no. This is not going to work for you because we're going to keep doing this. (laughs) That woman, Maggie Smith. I actually think it was Dame Judy Dench. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Staring okay, okay, directly okay. into you, your thank soul. Thank you. Thank you. Man, that was a okay. We're I'm moving us off this subject because it's giving me trauma <laughs> flashbacks. Um, while we're on the subject of murder cat, I would like to tell a short personal anecdote. Yes. Um, that Haley Brooke, I think I may have told you this, but um, I just need to put it in Podland. So my cat Penny is a murder cat, and <laughs> she hates the sound of my voice, especially the sound of my happiness. She hates it when I'm laughing. She hates it when I'm shouting. I'm a really loud person. She doesn't appreciate it. And she has bitten me a couple times as a way of telling me to shut the fuck up. She would never bite me for any other reason except for to tell me to shut the fuck up. And it's happened a couple times. She bit me on my chin. She bit me on my puffy arm sleeve, whatever. But a couple days ago, I was watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And Penny, sweet, tender baby, was curled up in my lap, just like all seven pounds of like 
orange fluff. I love her so much. She's so snuggly. And I was laughing hysterically at the terrible child acting. And Penny bit the shit out of my boob. <laughs> she oh, just leaned no. over and bit my tit so hard. <laughs> and I screamed at her because that was painful to me. And then she had the audacity to scream back at me. <laughs> and she hasn't been allowed on my left since. That's my story of my personal murder cat. She's like, bitch, I did what I did. That's when you like take off the gloves and you bite all six of her tits and you say like <laughs> fair is fair like let's fucking do it when i adopted her she had just been fixed and her tummy was shaved and i used to blow raspberries on her belly all the time so i feel like i've already got my payback actually <laughs> <laughs> the next day oh, it was a big game they take harry's broom to breakfast with a, a guard of honor Imagine taking your big dumb jock stick to breakfast. Like, this is the high school trope where, like, the football player is, like, just constantly carrying a football, just, yeah. like, ready to football at any oh, yeah. football moment. <laughs> you, you, never know when a, you never know when a football moment's going to arise, bro. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, and you never know when you're going to need to jump on your broom and just do a couple <laughs> zip zap zaps around the that's right, that's right. cafeteria, the Great Hall. I feel like I do remember lax bros because i'm from northern virginia so we had lax bros carrying their sports sticks around with them they would hook hook them onto their backpack i think seriously in the cafeteria yeah. and stuff yeah our lacrosse players also did that they would like do the thing where you like you like scoop it up and down in your stick it's like, almost like a hockey air. sack but like stick version yeah i played high school football and if anyone the whole week of school, every game week, if anyone on our team would have carried a football around to classes, they would have been laughed out of the fucking school. <laughs> was you football, bro? I was well, a football, bro. You, you got to carry a football so that the girl in the cheerleading co- outfit that she just wears 100% of the time sitting across class from you knows that you're on the football team. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So they, they put the broomstick in the middle of the table so everyone can come, like, literally, like, pay their respects, like, kiss the ring. So everyone can dump orange juice all over it. What are you doing? And bra- <laughs> brand side up. I think they said, like, specifically the Firebolt label, they put, they made yes. sure to have it on the upside so everyone could fucking gawk at it. Harry's flexing because he feels like he's never had anything in life before, but every other kid in the school doesn't feel like he's never had anything in life before, so it's like, the optics of it probably, like, aren't great, you know? <laughs> so it's like it's like buying a Hermes bag and, like, putting it on the table and being like, did everyone see what I my parents bought me? See, it's pronounced Hermes. We talked, this came up, like, two episodes <laughs> ago. <laughs> my dad owns a used car lot, and he bought me this Hermes bag. But it would be like that, except every single person around you is like, no, oh, shit. <laughs> Can I hold it? <laughs> Penelope Clearwater comes and asks to hold it, which is so weird from a girl we know absolutely nothing about, except for this. She boinks Percy Weasley. <laughs> she just want to lick it real quick so she can feel what real wood feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, last na- with that last name, you know she's a Scientologist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A wizard Scientologist is now my new favorite thing because, like, it, nothing in Scientology is that off base for wizard land. Like, they're like, okay, yeah, so it's a magical being, aliens, okay, all right. Get my own planet. <laughs> so we did speculate in an earlier chapter that perhaps Percy had dumped Penelope Clearwater when she did not make head girl. 
because he was ashamed and we didn't hear from her. Um, but here she is. They're still dating. They've made a 10 galleon bet on who is going to win. And Percy's like, Harry, you have to win. I don't have 10 galleons. <laughs> Which, that's a lot of money. This moment is like, oh, Percy is indeed Arthur's son. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like, this is just such an Arthur move, right? It would be. It's, yeah, you're right. It's so sad to be to be on the cusp of like financial ruin as a high school kid. Like that sucks. I mean, do we think though that he? Do you think he took this bet because he was unable to say no? Like he wanted to please his girlfriend. She brought it up, and he was like, "Yeah, okay." Or do you think he's like trying to swindle a sugar mama's deal here? Like, <laughs> ooh. two things can be true. Yeah, I think he has a gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> I could dirty s- secret. I yeah. mean, I could see that. I could genuinely see like tight controlled Percy Weasley having yeah. like like that's the one that's his one vice. That's yeah. the one oh thing God. that He's- he like cannot be reasonable about. He grows up to be a shitty politician. He's got to yeah. have something that's like, like blackmailable. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. blackmailable. He's constantly like sweating and like chain smoking and is like placing bets with money he doesn't have. Like he's yeah, that's a gambling addict. Do you think Aww. he's just betting on Quidditch, or do you think he's taking the high risk ones, like if Crookshanks actually gets scabbers? You know. <laughs> oh, I th- yeah, I think he's taking all kinds of like prop bets, where he's like, "Who's gonna kill who in the uh, dark arts class? Who's gonna, you know?" I think he's got all kinds of prop bets going on. And remember that Scabbers was Percy's rat, and, ra- and Percy was like, I don't give a shit to yeah. take this rat, so maybe he fucking hates Scabbers, and it's like, I'll, I'll bet against him. I hope that rat dies. How many times will Hagrid fart during breakfast today? Uh, like, all classic kinds of, yeah. Hagrid. <laughs> you know that guy has the smelliest shits in the world. Oh, man. <laughs> it's true. Laughing because it's true. That's why he lives in the shack. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's all coming together. You, check. That's why yeah. the what's the the basilisk was able to get into the basement is like because one of Hagrid's shits like ruined the pipes enough that a basilisk <laughs> could fit down there. That's that's <laughs> this yeah. is answering so many questions. That's from canon. Chamber that's of canon. Secrets. It's vulgar, but it's canon. <laughs> we were wondering how the fuck the basilisk fit in there, <laughs> and that's how Morning Myrtle died. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> she, she fucking killed over when Hagrid when she smelled Hagrid. I think the, there's a high likelihood that uh, Hagrid has built his own composting toilets for the school's pumpkins and vegetables that he grows outside of his shack. Oh, <laughs> good for him! I think I think he's saving the saving the animals, saving yeah. the environment, yeah, yeah. acting like an entitled twelve year old amongst twelve year olds. Yep. But mm-hmm. good heart, terrible <laughs> adult decisions. <laughs> So, speaking of shit, Malfoy comes over to talk shit, and that's the whole note. They're just like, hey, you suck, hey, you suck, because they're babies and their disses are really bad still. <laughs> I would love, they always have, because Malfoy says something something quippy, and then Harry's like, well, your broom should have an extra hand so he could fucking catch the snitch. Mm-hmm. I wish there was one time where it's like, somebody said something to one of them that was like sharp and witty and funny, and then the other one was like, get fucked like just like because i feel like in real life you don't always have a quippy comeback like sometimes you're just like fuck you like i fucking hate you like <laughs> i just wish they it wasn't always like the perfect comeback the thing that kills me the most is like you know roldemort was 
right like because anytime a writer writes a quippy comeback yeah. that means that they had to think of it write oh, it down yeah. and then they always take a moment to sit back and go nailed it yeah oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah wow can confirm <laughs> i think that um i think there is like one person who does do that at all and i think it's ron uh, because okay. every once in a while uh, slugs. <laughs> every once in a while uh, something will just say like ron cursed yeah. Like, so I think Ron mm. does have a potty mouth, and he's yeah. just like, they're not allowed to actually use it. Like, the Say publishing it. company the wouldn't man. let her. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think Git, I think Git is probably like a catch all for the words he, because isn't he the one who always calls people Gits? G I T? It's his most PG 13 insult. Yeah. In a recent chapter, it said something like um, Ron called Professor McGonagall a name that made Hermione mad or whatever and Andrew was like I mean he definitely called her a cunt right like for sure <laughs> I was like that's, oh I, <laughs> I don't think that's a for sure thing at all that was in my first instinct <laughs> that's outstanding but you never know from Ron he has a lot of older siblings you know they need to reshoot the movies but make it like fucking <laughs> R where it's just like constantly teachers are getting called names and like yeah <laughs> I want a Harry Potter big mouth crossover where oh, it's yeah. animated. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, please. It's a little too on the nose for a school that lets their teenage development run so wild. Oh yeah. As Hogwarts. Have you guys seen the vine of like some kids like filming a substitute teacher in class? And the teacher is just like, eh, and someone yells, "Say it again! Say it again!" And the teacher says, "I said, whoever threw that, your mom's a hoe." Like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's what that would be like. Just Snape being like, "Your mom's a hoe." <laughs> no, Snape would go all in because he only ever torments like you know Harry. Really, yeah. I'm Neville. True. But in both cases, I think the insult's the same, where Snape just looks him dead in the eye and goes, and your mom's dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Okay. Um, the team the team goes to the changing rooms. Okay. The weather's really nice. They walk out onto the pitch. They're like, I'm so ready for this game. I'm feeling great. Harry notes that the Ravenclaw secret, Cho Chang, is, quote, very pretty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first tickle of his coming manhood. <laughs> wow, I hated every word of that second. Dude, well, as I was reading this, like there, there's a mention of like a lurch somewhere in the vicinity of his stomach. And yeah. when I read that, my brain went, that's your Vans deference, my dude. And then I was like, wait a minute. How do I remember what a Vans deference is? <laughs> I, I didn't mind Brooke saying tickle. It's the coming manhood part that bothered me most. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't like that yeah. one bit. Yeah. I mean, I was trying not to just be like, oh, Harry got his first boner right here, right now, on the Quidditch pitch. He probably did. And so with that, to buoy him up, (laughs) the game starts. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, I imagine it would be very hard to ride a broom if you had a hard-on. Oh, yeah. Would you try to shift it to one side or another, lay it right on top? I'll lay right what on top and then I'll tickle it. Lol. Yeah, I think you. I think you lay down on top of your broom. Like instead of sitting on it like a bike, you would like lay on top of it, full flat. Yeah, like you're wood going to wood, like head first on a sled kind of deal. Wood, wood to wood for sure. Wood to wood is the name of the self-published semi-autobiographical romance novel that Oliver Wood comes to write about himself, <laughs> or he's experimenting. Wood to wood. What to what? He's in college. He's experimenting. <laughs> so the the game starts. Lee Jordan's commentating, commenting, commentating, 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 
He's commenting and commentating, which is dope. Love it. Love everything about that. It really sets the mood. He starts by just listing facts about the Firebolt. Like a lot of them. And McGonagall has to get him back on track. I've started writing her in my notes as Mick G. It's, it's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> they have a very like Statler and Waldorf energy. From oh, the yeah. Muppets. Like the two grumpy old men. Yeah. Where they're just kind of like constantly cutting in on each other, like making commentary in almost like a meta way about like what's happening in front of you as part of the show. They would have a great radio show. Absolutely. I would listen to that podcast, McGonagall and Lee. Lee and Mick G. Lee and Mick G. It could happen, though, because uh, Lee does start running a radio show during yeah. the war. Yeah, it could. I mean, I think that those are the circumstances under which McGonagall would be like, okay, Lee, I'm in. <laughs> Lee Jordan is definitely like the Joe Rogan of the wizard world. Like he absolutely starts a podcast network afterwards and like that's his bread and butter. hundred <laughs> percent. I don't think he would have any patience for like editing or promotion or anything. No, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah. He would have no, no, people no. for that. It all stays in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as I read in the introduction to this episode, Cho Chang, her technique is tailing Harry and getting in his way. Much like my cats, right? Just like, ooh, we like turn a corner, there you are, and we're both going down. So my question with this this technique, she's like following him around, right? My question with this technique is, he obviously has a better broomstick with her. And if she's following him around waiting for him to spot the snitch, how does she like ever hope to get that? Well, she cuts him off a few times. Like, I think she's like doing it in such a way that she always has like an angle on him. Mm -hmm. You know, because she gets in front of him quite a few times. But she doesn't, she, I don't think that she's ever like a real, what am I trying to say? Like she, she could try to find it herself. I feel like yeah. obviously if they're racing, she's not going to win. Yeah. If, if it's almost like a NASCAR technique of like drafting a car, but in NASCAR, I think you're hoping that somebody makes a misstep and then you can fly past him. But I, mm-hmm. but it is, yeah, it does seem pointless to like just draft him where it's like your best bet is being on the opposite side of the pitch. And getting lucky. And getting lucky. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the Ravenclaw technique, like, the the Ravenclaw strategy here might literally be, like, Cho, just keep him from, like, you're not going to beat him in a race, so just keep him from getting the snitch so we can get enough points that if and when he catches it, we still win. Because um, okay. like that is like that is what happens at the Quidditch World Cup in the next book. So it, sport. I think that this uh, this game is the only time we really see Quidditch with like 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 with gameplay. Yeah. Like most of the yeah. time, okay. it's just like stuff happening. And this is the first time like like Cho's whole technique here is like the first time we really see a strategy in place. And it ha- is very Ravenclaw. Haley, you br- you you made me think just now of like. Because they mention every time Harry looks over to his right or wherever she's at, they say that Cho is like right on his ass, but she's smiling. So I'm also curious if like, I I think what you just brought to light is possibly there's a strategy of like, she's using her feminine wiles to like throw him off his game. Because if she's, if they mention how attractive she is and like, obviously Harry's into her and then she's like right on his ass, like smiling. I think that's maybe the strategy is to like distract him. Um, with her, okay, yeah, with her he, good ass. He's looks. thirteen. He's yeah. he's on the cusp of manhood. We must yep. take advantage yep. of this. <laughs> I did make a note that they're flirt fighting this whole time because they really are. Please. They're flirt fighting. Please, much like my cat, flighting. Please. Yeah, fly- <laughs> I I, I think it. that Cho might be, but Harry's literally just like, oh, look, I thought you were pretty, but now you're really in my way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Harry's, like, trying to get away from her. Um, he sees the snitch the first time, and he goes for it. And um, at the last second, a bludger comes. So Harry, like, swerves and loses sight of the snitch, which is cool. I don't think I've ever seen a bludger, like, do, like, pre- preventative action before. Yeah, this is a, a great example of a Quidditch game. It's, like, it's this Quidditch game gone right. Meanwhile, the Gryffindor chasers are, like, scoring a ton, which is good, because that's, like... I think that is the strategy, is, like, the they can't count on, like, the snitch right now. Like, they really... Everyone just has to be stacking them points so harry sees the snitch again he goes for it cho cuts him off and harry like i think probably stops short it, it wasn't really clear and oliver wood is like this is no time to be a gentleman knock her off her broom he's always really doesn't care about people falling off their brooms <laughs> <laughs> in a previous book doesn't harry or someone someone falls and like breaks their arm in half right yeah, that, that was Harry. Harry. That, that was Harry. Harry. Yeah. And then, um, and then. Lo- oh, that's when they do the bone Lockhart, grow or whatever. Yeah, take, yeah, yeah takes that's the right. Bones out. Hey, like Harry's fallen off his broom this book. Like it's it. I think it's happened to him at least once per book. Yeah, that's our boy. It's crazy to me that like bumping someone off their broom is legal gameplay because yeah. like that. Because okay, this is like loosely based on at least the way that like the people in the UK relate to soccer, right? And. Um, in soccer, I mean, any little tap is a, a like dramatized event in which we get a penalty. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and lots of flopping. Right, and this is straight up like bumper cars in the air, and like no rules. It's okay if a kid dies. We're here for the love of the game. Yeah, and also in the, I always just think about it. I think it's the Chamber of Secrets movie where they're. Draco and Harry are both chasing the snitch and they like go into the stands and they go like completely out of sight for like 20 minutes of gameplay. They're just like chasing each other completely out of sight. And I'm like, how could they? (laughs) Why is this allowed? Drama. Yeah. So Harry starts doing a lot of like feints to not our usual Harry faint, faint with an E this time. um, To like throw Cho off her course and wear her out, I think a little bit. He's like, if you want to play... If you, can, if you want to play that game, too, can play that game. He sees the snitch again, and he goes for it. But then, Dementors! Oh, no! Dementors! Not again. It's happening again. Every fucking time. To me, when Dementors show up the first time and, like, go after Harry, it would be like, because they're like, they guard uh, Azkaban, right? It would be like mm-hmm. if, if kids were outside playing soccer at a high school and prison guards showed up and, like, shot a kid... Like, that's the equivalent. And yet the teachers are all like, it's fine. Like, we'll try and make sure it doesn't happen again. And the students are all like, you got shot by a prison guard. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's wild to me of like, we sh- all games should be on hold until we can get this under control. And like, I, I don't know. It just seems absolutely fucking bonkers that they treat it so loosely. Yeah, there's a lot of questions that I don't think I'll ever get answered about. Like, what the fuck is a Dementor? Like, to what extent are they like... Do they have, like, yeah. human brains? Like, obviously, they can take instructions, but they also are, like, these weird creatures yeah. that kind of do their own but thing. But Draco shows up at lunch, and he's like, uh-oh, don't get scared of the little Dementors. And it's like, they kill people. Wow. Or they, they don't kill them, but yeah. they, they basically take their soul away. Yeah. Death. Yep, it makes no fucking sense. Um, there's three Dementors on the pitch, and Harry whips out his wand. He throws a Patronus spell, 
and then he catches the snitch. What a fucking G, right? That's a pretty good oh, move. Yeah. Okay, he can never just catch the snitch. In all of these <laughs> books, like when you do see him catch the snitch, it's always like, well, he was diving one-handed as he hung on by a toe. Yeah. Like, we're never okay with just like a regular old gameplay. It's always like, a it's set up like a cliffhanger, but then it's mentioned the very next sentence that he that everyone's cheering. Like, it's now like, yeah, just, just say he caught it. Yeah, and then there's in the fucking, in the Sorcerer's Stone movie, which I just watched a couple days ago, there's that whole stupid fucking thing where he stands up on his broomstick. Surfing. Which is, yeah, he's literally surfing. That's it's what just, the kids are into these days, right? <laughs> simply no need. Like in Teen Radical. Wolf, in Teen Wolf when he's surfing on top of the car. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Legolas sh- uh, shield surfing. Oh, yeah. it's, all, it's all pretty much the same era. That's the worst, worst part of the whole movie, the whole series. Hard pass. There's some producer who had to like justify his paycheck and he's like, what if Legolas was surfing? Because kids are into that. And it's like, (laughs) you fucking ruined the movie. I think that was pure Orlando Bloom being like, I can do a stunt. I can do a stunt. Do you want me to do a stunt? I can do a stunt. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never be more fit than I am this moment. 19 years old, fresh out of acting Uh school. uh Is it ever said that, because Harry Castle Patronus, is it ever, and he hides his wand under his t-shirt. Do they ever explicitly say you're not supposed to have wands during Quidditch? Because couldn't that cause a lot of, like, people could magic their way out of situations? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's an explicit rule, but um, it's never occurred to me that wands could be used for foul play in Quidditch because I've always just noticed at times Harry just leaves his wand behind because it's like lunch. I I won't need my (laughs) wand for lunch. And it's like, why not? (laughs) <laughs> just take it with it's, you yeah you know? it's like uh like sometimes i'll go on um walks with uh my friend and like i don't need my phone to go on a walk but if i forget it and we haven't left the alley yet like yeah i'm going back for my phone yeah you don't want to be fucked without your phone when you need your yeah. phone and it's like such a non-issue to just carry well they it. say that most one accidents do happen within 500 feet of the castle so. <laughs> nice I mean, from what we see, most of the wand-based explosions happen firmly within the castle. (laughs) None of those are accidents. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing about Hogwarts. Like, you got to keep that teenage magic contained. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow, so true. By by Stonewall. Speaking of teenage magic and, like, furthering the awesome depictions of women in this whole chapter... Um, Harry gets subsequent kisses from every girl on the Quidditch team. Yeah, Ooh. kisses. I do love the Quidditch, the Gryffindor Quidditch hoes, like Angelina, Katie, and um, Alicia. They're just like I love them a lot, and yeah, they do. They do give him some fucking smooches. Everyone's like surrounding him. They're they're all like hugging in midair. It sounds actually kind of fun. And then they all land and they're screaming. They're like, "Oh my god, we fucking did it!" <laughs> and the Gryffindors come running and they're like, "Oh my god, Harry, you you did it! You got the fucking snitch!" And then a, a tender whisper in Harry's ear is like, "Nice Patronus, bro." <laughs> <laughs> it's Lupin, and um, Harry's all excited. He's like, "The Dementors didn't even affect me at all." Um, and Lupin's like, wow, great job, bud. And I'm going to tell you right now why they didn't af- affect you. And it's because the Dementors that we saw on the pitch were actually Malfoy, Crab Goyle, and fucking Marcus Flint, who should know better. <laughs> um, all, they're all fucked up in Dementor costumes because they got Patronus right in the face. They're sitting on each other's shoulders like two kids trying to sneak into an NC-17 movie. <laughs> <laughs> One ticket, yes. please. Wobble, wobble, wobble. <laughs> 
it would be funny if like uh, I, I feel like not maybe not funny but I feel like it would serve a better point if like the Patronus just like fucking killed one of the kids and then it's like <laughs> and then the school's like well he was just protecting himself and then moving forward the series is like let's knock all this shit off a lot of there's been a lot of bullshit going on let's knock it off we're done mm-hmm. we're not teaching you magic yeah, anymore we're actually absolutely. just doing mm-hmm. theoretical history of magic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ugh <laughs> Um, I find it funny that they're, they were dressed up in three Dementor costumes and Malfoy was on Crabber Royal shoulders. I don't remember. And like, what I'm hearing is that Malfoy didn't really need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> he just like wanted to. He was the ideas guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it struck me as weird because you would think he would be the kind of guy to like sit out and be like, oh, that wasn't me. Obviously yeah. I'm sitting yeah. right here. Cover his tracks. It did. When I read that part about they were all in like a, a big old cloak, it did immediately conjure to mind Andre the Giant and Princess Bride. When he's like pretending to be the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Holocaust cloak. Yeah. <laughs> I am the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> I can't. I, the, I'm sorry. The hardest job in the world in the history of mankind had to have been Andre the Giant's uh, uh, vocal coach on the set of Princess Bride. <laughs> Any, yeah. re- repeat after me. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Moses and it was supposes his noses are roses. <laughs> I think that's my dream job, actually. <laughs> no, I love this prank. Like, I love this prank because um, it's the exact opposite of streaking the field in the middle of an athletic yeah. performance. <laughs> cloaking. Cloaking, cloaking the field. <laughs> it, it definitely would have made a really great spectacle of a scene in the film. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm sad we didn't get this in the movie. Actually, yeah, it would have been a good visual. I mean, we get like the like hint towards it because they like at the breakfast scene in the movie they like pull their hoods up and like make Dementor noises at him. Mm-hmm, but like, yeah. and that's like a nod to it. But it's not quite like the hilarity that is them not only having done this, but have having gotten just like wiped out by Harry's Patronus, and now they're like in a hopeless just like panic fumbling with cloaks in every direction <laughs> trying to free themselves while professor mcgonagall yeah. just screams at them. oh yeah that's that's absolutely the best part because she is absolutely fucking livid like we've seen this bitch mad but we i feel like we've never seen this before because it's because it it's the antithesis of everything gryffindor represents she d- does someone have the lineup what she like screams at yep. them <clears throat> an unworthy trick a low and cowardly attempt to sabotage this. Oh, God. I tried to make a big, big game. I was like, I got this line. I'm ready to read it. Sabotage. Enjoy that. Okay. We're going to do take two. Um, okay. An unworthy trick. A low and cowardly attempt to sabotage the Gryffindor Seeker. Detention for all of you. And 50 points from Slytherin. I shall be speaking to Professor Dumbledore about this. Make no mistake. Ah, here he comes now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that it really is like the cowardliness. She's like, she's like, you fucking cowardly fools. If you've pissed McGonagall enough to that she says shall while reprimanding you, oh, yeah. you are done. She went Gandalf. Like, yeah, McGonagall suffers no fools. I feel like, no. I think I mentioned it before on this podcast. Um, she's my favorite character by far. And the part in the in the last book when she's like, all right, motherfuckers, game on. And she like brings the suits of armor to life. Like that's that's my favorite part of the whole series. It's just Oh my god, it gives me chills. Oh my god, it, that that part is where I start like crying until yeah. the end of the When movie, she just turns into a know? mother lion and she's like, "That's it. Fuck y'all. Like I'll I'll show my full strength." It's just like, "Yes, please." Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
So all of this just makes Harry all the happier. He's like, good, yell at them. Like, good, they, good, I fucking knocked you down and I had every right to. I have a new Patronus memory. Like, this is now the happiest moment of my life. (laughs) Good for him. So George is like, come on, dude, it's time for our unsupervised late night party. DM for Addy. We won the sports ball. We now get to do this. We get to do whatever we want. School's out for the rest of the fucking day. Jello shots. We're talking finger blasting. We're talking <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> yeah. A pinata. A pinata. Full of cocaine. Full of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in the air like snow. After it's in the shape of a drug mule. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now I want to see Macho Man Randy Savage just be like, it's a cochiata. <laughs> <laughs> so Fred and George disappear, and then they return with arms full of butterbeer and honeyduke sweets. Let's talk about this a little bit. Did they steal? Yes, they just stole all this shit. Yeah. This was somebody's they, private wow. stash, probably. They nod to the fact that they used the Marauder's map to go get it because they mentioned. Yeah, and they were gone for like hours. They were gone for hours. And so, and it is, it's like late and like, there's no reason that a Hogwarts student should be in Hogsmeade right now. They definitely stole it. It comes out right in the Honeyduke's basement. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they they literally just like popped in, stole a bunch of shit. I think the dumbest thing of all of that is that they carried it in their arms. I was just about to say I would have taken my fold out wagon. That's a long that's a long way to go. You're magic. You can make a bag unlimited. <laughs> like why not do that? They can float the The twins shit. are just low key stacked. <laughs> oh god, I forgot about <laughs> levitation entirely. Oh yeah. That's that's my one ha- uh, having gone maybe like a year and a half ago now, having gone to the magical or wizarding world of Harry Potter in, in Orlando. Um that was like my one thing was like, I wish besides just the train going from this, from uh, Diagon Alley to Hogsmeade or the castle to Hogsmeade, I wish there was also like an underground tunnel you could walk where it's like, it takes a while, but it's also like, you feel like there's a secret passage you're going through. That would be awesome. That's a good, that's a good note. You should send that to Orlando. <laughs> Dear or Mr. Dear Orlando. Dear Kissimmee St. Cloud. Excuse me, Universal. Like, do you have time for notes? I've just got a few notes. <laughs> I know that you dumped $4 billion into this, but um, I have a few thoughts. <laughs> okay, so the party is popping. Hermione is literally in a corner reading, which, have I done this at a party? Yes. Do I recommend it? Yeah. Not I usually. Mean, Just go home. <laughs> it depends on the party. As the perpetually sober friend, like, I... I would read in the corner of parties because I know I'm everyone's ride, and it, just because I'm... The, the onus of the sober friend is just because you're done doesn't mean your friends are done. Mm. And so you're not done until your friends are ready to go to Chipotle. You know, like. <laughs> you're drunk. Like, give me your broom. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a really tender memory, Brooke, of um, being blackout drunk on my birthday. And I kind of like came to on the dance floor and like you were like the only person left with me. And I was like, look at her go. <laughs> <laughs> what a true friend. That's a good night. Um, so Harry's like, Hermione, did you even come watch my match? Because honestly, it was pretty good. And I hope you're watching. Because <laughs> <laughs> these are my priorities. I'm getting no validation from you. And as a woman in my life, it's your only job. So kisses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get kisses. Kisses. <laughs> Can you imagine? Harry asking Hermione for kisses. <laughs> um, so she's like, she's like, no, I really, I like, I can't. I d- obviously I went to the game, but I, I'm not I'm not going to hang out because I have to finish reading this book by Monday. 
And Harry's like, come on. Harry's hoping that Ron's so happy that Ron's, like, gonna make up with her. But that, then Ron's like, oh, well, Scabbers really liked this candy and he would be eating it right now if he hadn't gone fucking murdered. Uh, the book she is reading is called Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles, <laughs> and she has 422 pages to go before Monday. Two, two quick things. One, I was baffled that she was reading this, because aren't her parents like dentists and muggles? Yeah, they so, are. Yeah, they're dentists. So it's like, to, to me, that's like, why would you read up on it if you've lived it? Because mm-hmm. she's, ta- she's taking muggle studies. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah. I guess that's like, that's, that's like, I guess if someone says like, why do I have to study for English like I live in America well it's like oh it's a little bit different but two I was so bummed because they're like she said she had to read 400 and I'm like yes and 20 and I'm like yes and then they said two and I was like oh so close like (laughs) that would have been a fun little tip of the hat to be like 420 pages left she's on the 69th chapter like it would be so fun if it was like a a little wink to be like if you're 17 or older like this is kind of fun this yeah. is for you. Especially at a party, because like yeah. if you're not the kind of person that's like sober reading in a corner, you can absolutely be the high person that grabbed a book off someone else's bookshelf. Yeah. And to be like, I'm not gonna drink, I'm just reading Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance and I'm high as hell. Like <laughs> I put out my coolest books in hopes that that will happen when people come to oh, my I have house. definitely been fucked up at your house and look uh, flipping through your illustrated Harry Potter editions. Noise. That's my that's my like social like default is like if i'm at a party where i don't really know anybody and i don't really know what to do first like i find the library and if i can't find the library like not to be this way but like what am i doing yeah leave the party especially like some of sean's like work function i've I've ended up at like a like an older co-worker's house and it's like oh god what am i doing here and they always have a really dope book set up so um i think hermione's probably writing annotations in the margins to submit it for correction She's like, just so you know, um, as a muggle, there are enough muggles in this. I feel like muggle studies should maybe only really be a thing that's required for wizarding kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I, I like I get the English English comparison that we were talking about earlier. But this is more like like the kid that was like raised in France until they were 12 coming to your English school and being like, I guess I'll just take French because it's an easy A. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. They should have, someone should have told her money she's not taking this class. That's a McGonagall thing. McGonagall should have been like, honestly, babe, Waste you're not your taking time. This class. She should be teaching this class. She should, but like, she yeah. insisted, like, when they asked her, like, why the fuck are you doing this? Like, she insisted, like, but it'll be really interesting to learn about it from a wizarding perspective. And like, I get that, but not with like six other classes, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question, and this is just me not knowing much about rats, so good luck to the rest of you on answering it. Um, but he says that Scabbers really liked fudge flies. I have only ever really owned dogs, and m- most pets that I know can't have chocolate. Yeah, I think generally chocolate is like a no for like all animals. So can rats eat chocolate, or are we just like... Well, I think because Scabbers turns out to be who he turns out to be, right? Maybe it's his man's stomach. Do you think he's got a tiny little man stomach in there <laughs> in his rat body? Do you think do you yes. think he like dragged it away, turned back into himself, ate it, and then turned back into a rat? Oh my god, I love that. Just him transfiguring <laughs> himself in the like corner at night with his stash. Sneak of into treats. the kitchen, yeah. That is some shit that I would for sure do as a fat kid if I was in hiding, yeah. casually in the pantry, naked, volume, and just eating Reese's. It's so weird. Every night, it seems like Scabbers loves Miller Lite and like all the double stuff Oreos are gone. Do you guys think 
do you guys think that uh, Peter Pettigrew spent this entire 12 year span like beginning to end as a rat? Or do you think every once in a while he became human just to fucking remember what it's like just to go out and get a drink? Yeah, I think every once in a while he'd, he'd turn back and just try and do what he could. It, it, it's also weird to me of like, he's Ron has had Scabbers since he was how old? I think he got Scabbers before he came to Hogwarts, but Percy had yeah. had him for a long time. Yeah, they've had him for nine years. Twelve years. Th- that just 12 years? No, seems twelve years. I've done my oh, waiting. Right, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, it seems super disturbing that that was like a little man living. I don't know. It's just very creepy. He's sleeping in Ron's bed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, no, it's it's a nightmare. I think. And probably. his last name is Peto. What? <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the chocolate thing, it could be that he really likes the taste of chocolate and he's like, I know that chocolate accelerates the heart rate of small mammals, so I'm going to dose myself in in greater doses every day until my rat self has built up a tolerance to chocolate because I'm committed to this. This is a long haul. This is my identity now. It's like Iocane. Imagine becoming a rat to save yourself and then not being able to eat any of your favorite treats. Like, oh, I would be so, so sad about Brutal. that. Brutal. I mean, like, <laughs> like, he betrayed his friends and, like, got them killed. So, fuck him? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a great point. But I could see rats being fine because they eat garbage. Like, outside True. of the movie Ratatouille, they eat garbage. <laughs> that rat eats Ratatouille. <laughs> All of the other rats in that movie also eat garbage. He's the only one that doesn't eat garbage. That that's what makes Remy weird. It's because yep, he has yep. a palate. Okay, yeah, <laughs> he's pretentious. I think rats also like eat other rats. Like I, there was like a notification in Chicago during quarantine because so many businesses were closed and like restaurants weren't open and there wasn't garbage for them to sift through. There was a warning of like, hey, Chicagoans, look out! There are hyper aggressive rats who are like eating other rats who will uh. like eat whatever and they can like they can chew through concrete they can um yeah. I, I think in like medieval times they used to like put a bucket on someone's belly with a rat inside the bucket and then put flame to the bucket mm-hmm. so it's like i seen that again yeah so the, i think that was like an actual torture thing where it's like the rat's so scared of the heat coming from the bottom that they chew through someone's intestines yeah that's insane that's yeah. wow Peter Pettigrew. So, Adel, did you see any of these like off the chain rats? I didn't. Um, I and it was. It was, I think it was also maybe a scare tactic to keep people home. <laughs> <laughs> There's cannibal rats out yeah. there. <laughs> There's fucking werewolves on yeah, the loose. But I, I did like my first month living in Chicago. I was wearing flip flops because it was like June. It was like summertime when I moved here, and I was wearing flip flops and at night. And while I was walking. My foot came, obviously when you wear flip-flops, your foot comes loose from the sole quite often as you walk. And it's a perfect timed moment. A rat run underneath my, between my flip-flop and my foot, a rat run underneath. And my foot came down on it (laughs) with my full, like 200 pounds. And it made the worst sound I've ever heard in my life, which was, (laughs) it was like, like, uh, I put all my weight down on it, not knowing I was stepping on a rat. And it's it's like all the air came out of it, both ends. And it was just like, (laughs) And that that sound haunts me to this day. It's like it was like, hey, you murdered me. I can't imagine that rat lived because, again, I was walking normally and only until after only until after it happened did I realize what happened. But uh, that that is the worst moment of my life. Yeah, that must have been a nightmare realization. Oh man! So sorry that happened to you. Now I'm just imagining Peter Pettigrew making that noise from the corner. 
speaking of dead rats, um, Ron's yelling about his, and Hermione bursts into tears and runs away. Yeah, it's a sad story. She's not okay. She's not okay. So Harry's like, honestly, Ron, can you just cut her a break? And Ron's like, honestly, no, because she is literally not even acting sorry, which is the bare minimum I need her to do as a friend right now, which is like, so real. Yeah. Check yourself. I think we would all feel the same. Um, the party goes on until 1am when McGonagall comes, quote, in her tartan dressing gown and hairnet. I love the aesthetic. <laughs> and she's like, please go the fuck to sleep. We are getting a noise complaint. Yeah, they're getting a noise <laughs> complaint. Where do you think she sleeps? Where do you think her office slash bedroom is? Um, Probably nearby. Yeah. Like, okay, so potions is usually taught in the dungeons. Like, I... Herbology has to be taught in the greenhouses. I don't think there's any reason that, like, the Transfiguration classroom would have to be, like, a specific room, but I do feel like it would have to be nearby, but also, like, the head of house isn't always going to be the Transfiguration teacher. I don't fucking know. What I'm getting at here is I don't (laughs) fucking know where where McGonagall lives. (laughs) I feel like, giving it only 10 seconds of thought, I feel like she probably has a room very close to Dumbledore, if not a room that, like, connects to Dumbledore, because I feel like they have a very, like, sibling, high respect for each other relationship. And so I could definitely see them being able to, like, immediately discuss something important or, like, immediately... Do you think they have a Jack and Jill bathroom? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. I think what it is is that McGonagall has a nice little neat staircase up to Dumbledore, and Dumbledore has a fireman's pole from his down (laughs) into McGonagall's. Man, my brother had a loft bed when we were kids where you had to get out via slide, and that was very cool. Later, like, we'll get to this scene, but uh, when she comes back, it's, like, within about five minutes of noise starting back up. So either she lives very, very nearby and has just been, like, letting them carry on up until this point, or she has, like, there's a portrait somewhere in- A baby monitor. Yeah, like a, like a baby monitor portrait that's just, like, it's like a picture somewhere in the common room, like, Minerva! They're at it again! <laughs> I think you'd have to have some kind of monitoring system when, when I don't care that wizards don't care, but like there's a lot of miners all in one room. Like you have to have some kind of way to monitor them. So yeah, McGonagall comes in and insists they go to bed. So they go to bed. Harry has a weird dream. Something about a Patronus and a fireball. I don't know. The sound of hooves. And we wake up to straight up. Sirius Black done been in there with the apparent plan of just stabbing a bitch while they were sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ron's fucking screaming. I can tell from, like, without even knowing it was Ron, I could tell from the way the screams are written that it was Ron screaming. It's like extra bullet. The scream takes up, like, two lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It There's does. one for Arg and one for No. <laughs> arc i love it it's so wrong so it's like fucking chaos the, the the boys in the room are all waking up there's doors slamming the door is slamming and and everyone and ron is like serious black was just here with a fucking knife over my bed and like his the, his bed curtains are torn so it's like everyone's telling him it's like a nightmare they run down to the common room all the other gryffindors are waking up because there's a fucking scream percy enters trying to desperately pin his authority badge onto his pjs <laughs> i never realized how close this scene the way it's described is to natalie and brulia's smash hit Standing over my bed, he has got a knife. My curtains are so torn. I'm asleep, but I woke up. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, Ron's like, this is what happened. Percy's like, you're fucking dreaming. McGonagall shows up again. She's like, seriously, you need to shut up. And then everyone's gaslighting Ron. So he finally starts like screaming. He's like screaming about it. He's like, for the love of fucking God, there was a fucking murderer lurking over my fucking bed. So McGonagall goes to ask Sir Cadigan, who's filling in for the portrait lady, like, did Sirius Black come into the room? And he's like, yeah, bro, he had all the passwords for the week written down on a piece of paper. So of course I let him in. That's my only fucking job. And who was it? Neville Longbottom. It was fucking Neville. (sighs) Oh, buddy. All of these chapters have been ending, like, really terribly. Like, they end with, like, well, friendship (laughs) over. Well, Neville ruined everything. Ron almost got murdered. Like... It's getting dark in here. <laughs> Shit's intense. Well, that's the end of the chapter. Any any last thoughts? Anything we didn't touch on? No. Any chapter involving Quidditch is just perfection. It's the perfect <laughs> game. Literally no, all of them. No notes. It's the perfectly concocted game. There's no faults in it. It's it's the most brilliant game ever conceived. Quidditch is wow. so obviously a sports game that was conceived of by someone who has never been interested in sports. <laughs> That's true. That honestly makes perfect sense because this is the kind of game that I would make up for sure. I, I took a video game class in, or like a gaming class in college, and we had to make make a game that was like our final project. It was very dope being an English major. It was very cool while I was in school. Um, and I made a board game that was, it was, it was a very Hufflepuff game. I got an A because that's the kind of class it was, but he was like, I don't really see any way that this is like even remotely competitive or like, I'm not even really sure how you like level up, but it's nice to wander around the board and like collect things. Well, the board game is we all turn to each other, we say a compliment, we all lend each other $10. <laughs> well, well, are y'all ready to move on to some plugs? Yes. Sure. Adel, why don't you go first? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, a few things I want to plug. Number one, please go to cheddarfriescereal.org you are going to see a uh, donation site where you can donate whatever you want if you want to get in on this investment opportunity it will not last long so please check that out uh, also I do a few other podcasts called uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern we're celebrating our sixth year uh, currently um, so please check that out and we also I also have a podcast I do called uh, Hey Riddle Riddle and there's a new um, short series I'm doing that's a crossover it's a, it's a Hello from the Magic Tavern um, spinoff with me and my co-host from Hey Riddle Riddle, co-host from Hey Riddle Riddle, and it's called Hey Tavern Tavern. So you can check that out on Stitcher Premium. If you use code MAGIC, you get a month free. It's seven episodes long, so if you use that code at the proper time, you can check it out all, all for free and then uh, unsubscribe. Hell yeah, I plan to. <laughs> yeah, that's a smart thing to do. So check that out, please. Uh, and, thank you, and thank you all so much for having me. This is truly one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, thank you so much. It's a delight to have you. Um, Do you want to share something you've been like reading, watching, playing lately that you've been doing? Yeah, I have been loving. I'm almost done. I only have a few chapters left. Um, Rachel Bloom, um, a phenomenal comedian, actress, writer. She has a new book out called I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are, I believe. Um, And it's it's fantastic. So I, I recommend checking that out. It's one of the only books in the last several years. that's like made me legit laugh out loud. Typically, I read a book that's like, quote unquote, funny. And in my head, I'm like, this is funny, but I never laugh. And then I'm like, this is very funny. Um, but this actually made me laugh out loud. And then I've also been watching uh, Deadwood, which is something I watched maybe 12 years ago and never finished. And now I'm rewatching it. And it's just a really well done, fascinating series, a glimpse into the Wild West. Hell yeah. 
Haley, do you want to go next? Yeah, um, I'll second Deadwood. Um, but uh, I'm Haley. Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you must at the Rit to Wit. Um, <laughs> if you must, Christina, I did it first. I'm I did so it. Proud of you. I remembered this time. I'm um, so proud of you. I am going to plug. Um, I haven't really been up to anything new, so I'm going to plug an old favorite of mine, the Zombie Survival Guide by Max Brooks. This was like I have a uh, deep and abiding fear of zombies uh, that like from childhood, and the Zombie Survival Guide is like. It is an action. It's it's like actually got good survivalist like advice in there for like the end of the world. Like it's it's an apocalypse guide and also like their like the idea of how zombies work is like kind of the basis of most modern zombies. Like like this is where The Walking Dead kind of got their mechanics mm-hmm. um, and a lot of their ideas of like how how you might survive in a zombie apocalypse world. So um, cool. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, it's a good camp and read. <laughs> Hell yeah, it seems very practical. Brooke, what about you? You can find me on Instagram at Passion for Parks. You can find me on Twitter at Grumpy Brooke. If you are looking for a good entry point on Hey Riddle Riddle, which is one of my favorite podcasts, you should listen to the episode Artificial Sweeteners. I submitted a bunch of riddles and they did them. So um, yeah. if you want to see how I do it riddle writing, uh, check out that episode and you should check out Hey Riddle Riddle regardless. Yeah, I think maybe JPC was hosting, but he was like, and here's some uh, riddles from Brooke and she's on Restricted Pocket. I'm like, I know Brooke, hooray. (laughs) Uh, I was very excited. Yeah, those, and they were some pretty dope riddles. So well done, Absolutely. Thank you, thank you. I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Christina Khan. You can follow me on TikTok at Sprouts Private Stash. And today I'm going to plug the Chicago Manual of Style. Might be nerdy. I don't give a shit. I work at a small press. And um, a lot of the manuscripts we receive don't have good grammar. So if you're trying to write a book, you should pick up a Chicago Manual of Style. Brush up on it. I'd love to talk to you about it and advise. If you're not writing a book, you're supposed to use a different style guide. So don't do this for journalism. But um, it's just laying here. I was admiring it. So I recommend picking one up. Yeah, and I'd love to talk about grammar with you um i'm a nerd how do i wrap this up adel thank you so much for joining us it's always an absolute delight always a pleasure to be here quidditch forever quidditch forever (laughs) forever (laughs) well until next time get out of the common room i mean the dorm serious black um you don't even go here (laughs) (laughs) nailed it bye Listen, we didn't want to be half-bloods. If you're listening to this because you think you might be one, our advice? Stop listening to this podcast right now. Percy Jackson had the right idea when he told people to stop reading the books detailing his adventures as a half-blood. But we didn't listen to his warnings. And that's why we started this podcast, Of the Eldest Gods, where we read books written by Rick Riordan and talk about how they affected us as kids and continue to as semi-adults. You can find us every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think we fooled them for a second there? God, I hope not. Bring on the monsters! We're making a podcast! The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. 
Hey, this is Jordan Lee, and I'm here with Voldemort on the horn. Voldemort, how are we doing, buddy? Uh, I want to talk to you about your new miniseries. Uh, why don't we smoke some weed to loosen up, and we'll be right back with some more Jordan Lee here with Voldemort.